0: Amen, amen. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. And I know your first thought, who let the giant golden retriever on stage with the decorations? Well, it was Pastor Sam, so take it up with him. Um, But my name is Christian Turner. I'm a pastor in training here at the Field Church. uh, And I've been here for about six months now maybe so it's been a while uh but pastor sam want to give me the opportunity to preach and i just want to say i'm so excited to get to be here with y'all before uh, we do anything i just want to take a moment and just pray uh before we hop into the word or anything because we just want to ask god for for his guidance for all of us this morning so let's pray Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity just to spend time in your word, to spend time studying together, to spend time fellowshipping with one another, Lord, and just as we walk through this sermon, allow us to just see how you're calling us to live, allow us to see the steps you're calling us to take, Lord, and most importantly, just allow us to see you this morning. Allow us to see you for who you truly are, and allow us to see the response that we are called to have because of that. Lord, allow me to be nothing but a messenger this morning, just presenting your word, just unpacking your word in a way that's just clear and concise for all of us to understand. And it's all in your son's name that we pray, amen. Amen, Amen. sweet, sweet, sweet. So we're gonna get into it because we have a lot to unpack. It's gonna be a fun time and we're gonna go. So if we need to slow down, somebody just raise your hand and say, hey, slow down, you lost me. Um, Remember, in training, in training. Uh, (laughs) But if you were here last week, you know that we talked about the centurion servant. We talked through that and Jesus was in Capernaum. That's important for kind of where we're gonna go. That's important for, for what we're gonna do. But what we're gonna talk about and what we're gonna illustrate today is just very, very clear cut and dry. It's that Jesus is the Messiah. That's it, that's all we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna spend quite a while just unpacking this and why is this important for us? Why does this matter? well, if Jesus isn't the Messiah, if he isn't who he says he is, like, first off, what are we all doing here? Like, what's the point? What's the point? But then for these people, now they know who they are to follow. Now they know the people in the the scripture, they know who they're seeking after. They know that, that the man that they're following after is who he says he is. They know Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is the one that has come to ransom them, to redeem them, to save them. And he's just gonna show that he has the ability to do that, that he is who he says he is. And I mean, that echoes importance all the way to us. That, I mean, that's, that's the pinnacle right there. And he's gonna take time right now to just say, this is how. And he's gonna do it through, through three points and we're gonna really unpack those. But we're gonna be in Luke chapter seven, if you wanna flip over there, verses 11 through 17. And we're going to be checking that out in about three different ways that Jesus clearly points out, I'm the Messiah. I'm who I say I am. I have the power to do what I say I'm going to do. So, If you got it, say, got it, so I know we can start reading. All right, all right. I'm a little like Pastor Lonnie, if y'all were here for him. I like when you talk back. I like when you talk back a little bit, so bring it on. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and read. We're going to start in verse 11 all the way through 17. We're going to hit it all, so let's dive in. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Naim and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. I mean, I could walk off the stage right now. and we My goodness. Like, thanks, God. Like... <laughs> But I mean, this is a a crazy cool story because this is literally just illustrating what Christ is gonna do for all of us. He's coming back from from Capernaum, he's heading into Nain, he meets at the gate, he meets this lady, she's a widow, she's just lost her only son, and Jesus resurrects him. First he says, don't weep, he has compassion on her, he says, don't weep, and then he restores him. And then, I love that, that, After he restores him, he just gets up and starts talking. Like, man, I wanna know what he said. Like, Luke, can you put that part in there? Um, But I love that, that he gets up to start talking and everybody's talking, that, that Jesus is purely glorified through it and that the word spreads out. So like I said, this is gonna point out that he is clearly the Messiah. This is gonna, Jesus clearly illustrates that he is the Messiah, he is who he says he is, and I think he does it again through three ways here. And the first one that we're gonna look at is through his sovereignty and perfect timing and in perfect placement. If you look at those first two verses, I'm gonna read them again real quick for us. It says, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out and the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So there's a lot happening here. So we're gonna go chunk by chunk and see what's happening in these two verses. So soon afterward, soon afterward, he was in Capernaum. Jesus was there. He's coming back soon. There we go. He went to a town called Nain. So I did a little bit of research, trying to figure out where the heck is Nain, what is Nain? What is it relative to Capernaum? And it's about 30 miles, which doesn't sound like rough, like our Done Before Dawn people do that in like 30 minutes, (laughs) like before the sun's up. Y'all crazy? Uh, But he, it's about 30 miles, but it's 700 feet above sea level. What that means, I really don't know. I'm not smart enough. But scholars believe it was about a two-day journey. So it's a two-day journey for Jesus to get to Nain. Keep that in mind. And a great crowd is with him. Look back in verse 11. It says a great crowd went with him. Why do you have a great crowd? Well, if you look back, the centurion servant, Jesus has just performed a miracle. That's gonna draw people in. People are wanting to see what's happening. If you look in verse nine, it says it. It said, Jesus heard these things and marveled at them, turning to the crowd that followed him and saying, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. So this crowd's been rolling with Jesus for a while. He's got like a big old crew walking up. It had to be kind of intimidating, coming up to the gate, and as he drew near the gate, and what's cool is the gate has a lot of significance in these times. The gate wasn't just like a thing. It wasn't just there. Because the gate was, as we see throughout all of scripture, it was a couple different things, and I'm just gonna list off a couple of them. In Second Kings, we see it's a marketplace. So if you got some produce, you got some grain, whatever it is, you wanna sell it, you're going to the gate, you're setting up like an old school flea market. I don't know if you all have those, we have them in Kentucky. <laughs> Pastor Sam knows what I'm talking about. They're ghetto. (laughs) A dealing place. So, you know, you want to make deals, whether it be over land, whatever it is. In Genesis 23, we see that the gate was a place where the deals would happen. In Ruth 4, we see it's a wedding venue. This is where they get married at the end of Ruth. I remember we went through this last summer. You may remember this even, that this is where they actually get married. It's a place of idolatry. In Acts 14, verse 13, we see that that is a place where idolatry takes place. It's a place where the word was read in Nehemiah 8. And it's a place where prophets prophesied in Jeremiah 17. So everything that ever happens in town pretty much happens at the gate. I was trying to come up with an illustration for us to think of to kind of resonate this in our minds. And the only thing I can think of is like, the gate to these people is what La Coretta is to us after service. (laughs) You see everybody there. <laughs> like, you're just gonna run into everybody and even if you don't want to, you're gonna see like, me walking up with a bunch of new attenders and you're like, I know he's gonna make me sit with them. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But the gate, so let's, let's pack track. Jesus has come to town, great crowd, and he's gotten to the gate. It was a two-day journey and he's brought them to the gate. They've reached the gate and at the gate, what happens? Behold, a man who has died was being carried out. Burials happen pretty quick from just like my research and what I've like been looking at. I don't know how many days it would have been, but like in Acts 5, we see Ananias and his wife, they fall over and they just instantly take them and bury them. It's like Ananias died and dudes took him. Like go check it out, Acts 5, it happened. So it could have been like that, it could have been a couple days, but either way, it was quick. It wasn't like a drawn out month long process. I mean, not that ours are, like funerals are for us anyway, but they, they moved it pretty quick. But what's cool even here, back in verse 12, it says, the son of his mother, and she was a widow, remember that? You can keep on that later. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So let's, now let's fool in the big picture. Jesus, two day journey, has a crowd, come in, they meet at the gate, they run into the gate, and just by happenstance, random coincidence, they happen to run into this woman who has a big crowd with her, who needs a restoration act in her life, just at the gate, they just happen to run into her at the most popular, populated area in town, uh uh-uh. that's not a coincidence, there's no way, Jesus is setting the stage here. And that's what's cool, this by itself, this alone is showing Jesus has the power, that he has the knowledge, that he has the ability to see that he's gonna work, that he is gonna move. He's setting the stage, and in setting the stage, he's proving he's the Messiah. In just setting the stage for the miracle he's gonna perform, he's saying, I'm the Messiah, because I've illustrated this, everybody's here. Whether it be somebody preaching the word or somebody committing idolatry, that's the best, worst, of the worst. Somebody in the marketplace, somebody getting married, anybody. And then just on top of that, the woman's bringing a crowd with her. So anybody who missed the market memo, they're coming in mourning with this woman. So everybody is at this gate and Jesus is setting the stage. And now we just need to see what's he setting the stage for. This is illustrating he's the Messiah through just his ability to, to time this out. This isn't something any one of us could do. I know I'm not organized to do this. I have a hard enough time getting everybody ready out there. That's why I got Donovan now. (laughs) Love you, Donovan. But now let's just take a look at what Jesus does. So it illustrates he's the Messiah through his sovereign power and perfect timing and placement. And then the second point through his, if you remember a couple weeks ago, upside down compassion and care. Look back at verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. I love that. I don't know why. Whenever I first read this, that those three words just stuck out to me. And like I just like, I mean, I almost wept over just reading those words. Like, just do not weep. And we're going to unpack that here in a minute. But first thing we want to see is just... This shows he's the Messiah through, just like we see throughout scripture, the Lord is compassionate. If you look at Isaiah 49, 13, it says, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Yeah, that's that's amen worthy right there. Because I think this woman that Jesus has ran into in the gate, is very, very afflicted. Because if you read, she's a widow, and this was her only son. That's significant for a couple different reasons. If she's a widow and this is her only son, that's not only her, but that's their entire lineage. There's nothing to carry on this lineage anymore because this son has passed. And honestly, there might not be anybody to take care of her anymore. We don't know that for sure, but I mean, that was custom sometimes that the son would, after the father would pass, he would begin to take care of the mother. So we don't know what state she's in. And Jesus walks up and says, don't weep. Before anything happens, Jesus hasn't done anything. He's just shown up. He hasn't done a miracle. He hasn't performed, he hasn't saved this boy. And he walks up and says, don't weep. He doesn't start with a rise. He doesn't start with a rise. He looks at her and says, don't weep, before he even gets to the boy. I think for for two different reasons. One, as we've already pointed out with our first point, Jesus is sovereign and he knows what he's about to do. Jesus knows, I'm about to redeem this boy. I'm about to raise this boy from the dead. So don't weep. Because I'm going to work. I'm going to move. If you know me, you know I'm a New York Jets fan. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> but a long time ago, a guy named Joe Namath, a long time ago, Super Bowl 3 they're 18-point underdogs in the Super Bowl. If you don't know what that means, ask me after, because it was a big deal. And nobody expected them to win. But Joe Namath, he's in an interview, and they say, Joe, like, what do you realistically expect is gonna happen? Like, do you think you have a shot? Like, do you think you have any chance of winning this? And what he says is he says, This is a quote from Joe. He said, I got news for you. We're gonna win the game. I guarantee it. Here's the thing Joe Namath was just cocky, he was just arrogant, he was just confident in his ability to play football but Jesus is able to say this because he is the Messiah and he's able to say, I know what I can do and I'm gonna do it. This isn't Joe Namath hoping he's gonna do it. This is Jesus saying, I have this power and I'm about to use it, so don't weep. How many of us believe that this morning? How many of us walk like we believe that this morning? So Jesus knows what's about to happen and two... Jesus shows his compassion and care that only comes from a Messiah through the fact that he is just present. He hasn't done any miracle, he hasn't done anything, but by Jesus showing up on itself, that is care and that is compassion because the Messiah is there. If you look in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. We can't escape this presence. It's here, he's there. And that is something only the Messiah can do is being all present, being present, being there, being always there. People in this world, they may be there for us through seasons of life, but Jesus is the constant as believers. He is the constant one who is always there and that presence brings rest. Check out Exodus 13, 33, 14. This is whenever he's talking to Moses and he says, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So this care and compassion, how this points out that Jesus is the Messiah is because like I said, it is completely upside down. Whenever we try to care as humans, whenever we try to care like a worldly sense of care, and this isn't necessarily even bad. You know, like we want to help their situation. Somebody loses a family member, we want to be there for them. You know, if they want us to make meals, like we even have a, a program we do as a church that we'll make meals for them because we see their situation and we want to help them through that. We want to help them through their burdens. That's biblical to carry a burden. But we see the situation and Jesus sees their need for a savior. And that's why he cares. That's the care he demonstrates. That's why he's able to say, don't weep, I'm here. Don't weep, you don't even know what I'm about to do. You don't know what I have the power to do. You don't know what's about to happen. This is true for us today. As believers, Christ is there. He is the only one who's always going to be present. He's the only one who is always going to have that compassion and always have that care for us as believers, no matter what. It doesn't mean times won't get hard Because the miracle that we're gonna unpack in this verse or in this passage, it won't always happen. Somebody's crawling around up there. (laughs) Uh, But the miracle doesn't always happen. It doesn't always come. But his presence is enough. By simply being there, we'll be fine. So Jesus shows you the Messiah very clearly through his sovereignty and perfect timing and placement through his upside down care and compassion. So Jesus has shown he's the Messiah in two ways before he's even raised the guy. Like he hasn't even shown like all of his cards like, and he's already put in all his chips. But then he's gonna show it in the third way in verses 14 and 15 with his power to resurrect and restore that which was dead. Check this out, check this out. Verses 14 and 15, let's read this. It said, then he came up and touched the beer. If you don't know what a beer is, a beer is just basically a grave they could move. So if you see our elder Tyler Beer, watch out for him. (laughs) I just thought of that. (laughs) Uh, But a beer is a grave they can move. It's like if you've ever been to a funeral, the casket, they walk it, you would call that a beer. So back in the text, back in the text. He touched the bier and the bearers stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Whew. Everything that's happened is building to this. From leaving Capernaum on time to make this two-day journey has led to this point where Jesus is going to illustrate that he is the Messiah definitively and clearly by saying, I have power over death itself. Death doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. I defeated it. But it's important to note, as sad as it is to note, it's important to note, this boy's gonna die again. I mean, that's a fact of life. If he's still alive, I want to meet him. I'd love to talk to him, but he's not. This is more of a resuscitation because this boy's going to die again, but that's okay because this is just the warm-up. Everything's been setting up to this moment where Jesus is going to raise this boy, but this is the warm-up for Jesus saying, I'm going to resurrect myself on behalf of all of you. This is why Paul can confidently write in Romans, that in Romans 8, 38 and 39, he can say, for I am convinced, convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God, don't miss this, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the Messiah right there. That's who we're looking at. That's who showed up on the scene. That's who's at the gate. This is the Messiah. The one that through no death or life, nor any power can separate us from God. That's the gospel right there, folks. That's that's it. That's that's what Christ has called us to. The fact that that He lived a perfect, sinless life to ransom Himself for us because we weren't good enough. We're sinful on our own. And that by itself is amazing that somebody can live a perfect life and then sacrifice themselves. But then he's saying, I'm gonna defeat death again because I've already done it once, I've already done it a couple times, but the Lord's gonna raise me. And this one, this is a resurrection because I'm not dying again. I'm not dying again. I'm gonna go straight up. And he offers the same for us. That if we believe and we put our faith and trust in him, Will you are be united with him for eternity, that neither death nor life, nothing can separate us. He's just giving us a taste of it here, to say, hey, I'm the Messiah. This is me. Showing all the people around him, this big crowd he's gathered, he's gathered them all for this one purpose, to say, I'm the Messiah, and I have the power to do what I'm gonna do. It's not gonna be a stunt, it's not gonna be a show, I love that he doesn't even, doesn't even touch the boy. He just touches the beer. He just, get up. Just get up. doesn't even have to touch him. And we've seen him have that power in the centurion passage. He doesn't even have to show up. Just his very words bring life. And just to even reaffirm this a little bit more, look at John 10. 28 through 30, I think you'll be on the screen. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus is saying, I'm the Messiah, it's me. So he's shown it. He's shown it through his care and his compassion. Shown it through his perfect timing and his ability to be present. And then lastly, he, he showed it through his power to resurrect and restore that which was death, that which was gone. So that leaves us looking, okay, Jesus, what do we do now? That leaves the people like, Jesus, what, how do we respond to this? What, we can't do that. You're the Messiah. What's that mean for us? Luckily, the Bible tells us. It's pretty cool like that. Look at verse 16 and 17. Let's read this. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And the report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. So how do we respond? Before we even talk about how we respond, the one thing we need to look at is that there has to be a response. This isn't a survey question we can leave blank and say, "Mm, I'll get to this later. The response is a yes, Jesus is the Messiah, or a no, Jesus isn't the Messiah, plain and simple. If you're like, I don't know, you're on this side. I hate to tell you, but we can talk about it. I'd love to unpack that with you. But Jesus, I mean, he's proven here. He's the Messiah. And all we're called to do is repent and trust in that. Trust that he has that power. Trust that God has visited his people. I love that. Look at verse 16 again. Very, very last part. God has visited his people. This was just from raising one son from the dead. It was gonna restore a family line, it was gonna restore a lineage, and this was a great act. And it left these people saying, God has visited their people, God has visited us. Well, I got some good news. God's visited us. See, the word went out about this act. But when this news got to Capernaum or got to the outskirts of Judea, I mean, it's an awesome story of what God did. And they're pumped to tell it. But we have a story that saves all. It's not just an act that happened once, it's a continual act that God wants to do in each one of us. So, how do we respond to that? What do we do? What do these people do? I mean, it's clear they give them the glory. That's the first thing. Whether that means trusting in Christ for the first time, even today. Yeah, whatever that looks like, we're called to give him the glory. And then look at 17, and this report spread throughout the whole of Judea. Can you imagine? You're at work, Wednesday. Somebody comes in, they're like, bro, Mike, you're never gonna believe what happened. This dude showed up in Hammond and this guy was laying down dead. he didn't even touch him. He just walked up to him and said, hey, get up. And the dude got up. Like, if somebody came up and told you that on Wednesday, you're gonna be freaking out. But guess what? Jesus has done it and he's done it in you if you're a believer. He did it. He's done it. It's happened. He looked at you and he said, hey, get up. How'd it change you? Are you telling? Because if that happened in Hammond, I guarantee we'd hear about it. If that happened in Hammond, I guarantee people will be telling us about it. How many people know that you have came from death to life? How many people know that Jesus has saved you? That you were dead on a beer, being carried out of town, and He looked at you and said, "Get up." How many people know? Because if it happened on a worldly action, everybody would know. You'd be telling everybody, bro, I was dead. Well, guess what? You were. And guess what? I hate to break it to you. If you don't trust in Jesus, you are. But here's the great news. Jesus touched the beer. He's already touched it. Look at verse 16 again. God has visited his people. This is even more true for us because he has completed his salvific work on the cross. He's done it. He's visited. See this boy that was laying there, he was waiting on Jesus to show up. Jesus had a two day journey to get to him to save this boy. Jesus has already done his journey for you. So why are you still laying there? At that point, it's a choice. If you're choosing to still lay in your beer, that's a choice because Jesus has already said, get up. He's already said it. He completed it on the cross. He said, get up because I've defeated death and it has no hold on you. Look at John five twenty four. This is good right here. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, which we've heard it, everyone in here has heard it, So we got no excuse. We're all on equal playing ground right now and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from what? Death to life. So how do you look? This is just a gut check day. I'm gonna be honest. And it's been a gut check month for me when just going over this. How do you look? Are you still on the beer? Jesus called you to get up. He's the Messiah. He's proven it. He said, hey, hey, don't worry about it. I've got it. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you in a way no one in this world ever could. I'm going to love you in a way that no one ever could. Because I'm going to defeat death. And I already have. And if you've gotten up from the beer, which I hope and pray that all of you have or will, what are you doing about it? Because that's a call to action right there. Does Judea know that you got up? Does the surrounding country know that you got up? Because if they don't, why don't they? Bees are not telling them. Bees, this is infectious. When you tell somebody, they're telling somebody else like, bro, you're never going to believe what happened to John. Bro, John got up. He was dead. Now he's alive. He's talking kind of crazy. I don't know what's going on. And then they're going to want to come talk to John. Because they want to figure out what's going on. The beer's been touched. And Jesus has said, arise. And all that's left to do is respond. That's it. How are you going to respond? How? are you going to respond? Is your life different in any way, any shape or form? Is your life different from hearing Jesus say, get up? Is it? That's not for me to decide. That's for you to look at. And we're gonna have a great opportunity to do it because we got communion coming up. And what a way to cap off a gut check, Begin to, to say, hey Lord, that death that you died for me, let's take a moment and remember that. Because I was in no way deserving of that. And I just wanna say thank you. And then after that, we get to go out and we get to go into Judea. This week, what are people gonna hear of you? Are they gonna hear you're a good accountant? Or are they gonna hear you're resurrected? They're going to hear you're a good coach or they're going to hear about your Savior. That's up to you. What are you going to tell them? You're going to interact with them. What are you going to tell them? And if you're still on that beer, it's time to get up. Jesus has already said so. He's already called you to get up. Here's the thing. He wants you to get up so he can love you. So he can say, hey, Son, daughter, sir, ma'am, you're home. I am the Messiah. I am who I've said I am, and I've done this so I can have a relationship with you. So get up. And once you get up, start talking. What are you going to do? It's up to you guys. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just take time and present your word. And Lord, I hope I've been a good steward of it. And if I've said anything on my own power, I pray that it is forgotten and that only you remain in this place. Father, allow us to walk out this place, allow us to leave in a way that we are excited and we are ready to go into our Judea and tell people that I have came from death and I am now alive and it is because of Jesus and this is who he is and he is the Messiah and this is how. Lord, let him even pull out this passage and show people how Jesus is the Messiah. Through his care, through his compassion, through his power, through his sovereignty. Lord, allow us to be good stewards of you. Allow us to be good stewards of your word. And Lord, just as we enter in time of communion and a time of response, allow us to just cry out to you and say simply, thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you love me enough to look at me and say, get up. Father, thank you again. It's all in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.